What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. How's it going, dude? Well, I can safely say that I'm doing better than the arena servers right now. <laughs> that's for sure. To be fair, that's not saying much. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm, I'm above uh, nothing, I guess. Right. So today is technically arena launch day as of recording this. As of release, we probably have had the set for a handful of days and hopefully the servers have been fixed by the time you're listening to this. But today we're going to go through our new Capenna quote unquote live draft and we'll get into more on that in a second. But first, of course, if you're not already in the Discord, check it out. We have an awesome community of folks there and it is really an awesome place to just come and hang out, chat with us. Drop in all the things that you're seeing with New Capenna and any other sets that you enjoy, including some constructed stuff. And with these new sort of uh, arena championships and different events that are showing up, I'm sure we'll have a lot of testing groups in there to get people ready to go for these new high ticket events that are actually reasonable to get into in terms of figuring out how to get there. So definitely check out the Discord. The link to that is in our episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you'd like to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Huge, huge thanks to all of our patrons that continue to support us each and every week. We are beyond grateful for all of you and really just can't thank you all enough. Perks over there include things like our Draft Doctor series, stickers, show notes, unedited recordings of the show, and our Draft Chaff Hero cards sent right to your door. Our current Draft Chaff Hero is... Blossom Prancer from Kamigawa. When we announce our Draft Chef Hero for New Capenna here, it'll swap over to that and all new patrons from then on will get that one. Also, before we move on, one last little announcement here. Start submitting questions for our anniversary listener mailbag. We'll have that channel open by the time this episode's out. We're going to be doing that for episode 104. So we have a little over a month to get those questions collected and ready to go for that episode. That's right. 104 will be our mailbag episode for our second anniversary. So get those questions into us. Doesn't have to be magic related. Anything you want to hear from us, we'll take a look at. In fact, I request that you make a bunch of them not magic related. Ask us the weird stuff. Those are always the fun ones. Indeed. All right, we're going to skip our Kraken Draft type thing because we have a live draft going. So on to our Teferi Tibble. This is the Roses and Thorns style segment where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week. So Ben, how's it going? It's going pretty well. I'm actually on my day off. I took a personal day today months ago. Uh, there's a rule in my district where only a certain number of teachers can be off on any given day. So towards the end of the school year, people start using up their last personal days and then the Mondays and Fridays get used up really quickly. So I managed to snag a nice Thursday. Uh, people have, have definitely solidified exactly what day we're recording this on <laughs> if they're paying attention to our, our references to dates and such. But uh, yeah, so it's it's pretty nice. Uh, I'm off today. Tomorrow I'm actually going on a field trip with my, my, my class and a few other classes to Six Flags Great Adventure Physics Day, which uh, those that live near a Six Flags amusement park might be familiar with. So that, that's a good time. Now, my Tibble arena just come on i was i was thinking wow my day off just so happened to land on a, on a release day like that's awesome that that's so great i'm gonna get to jam might even have that first trophy in the discord and then of course uh well not only did several people beat me to first trophy arena doesn't seem to be working right now it looks like it's been down pretty much all day i actually just saw a news article get shared on twitter looks like arena is trending and not in a good way <laughs> it's interesting because this is not new like we are so used to set release day being the day that nobody can actually play the game so i tend to get excited for the day after release <laughs> <laughs> yeah i probably should have tempered my expectations what's up with you so I got a new car this week, which was fun. It was a little hey. bit of a saga. I went to see one dealership last Thursday and was looking at a used car and then 
the guy who was like running sales there didn't want to negotiate with me at all. And I was like, you're charging way too much for this car. I've done all my market research and everything. Like you're never going to sell it at this price point. Here's what I want to pay for it. If you can't meet this, then like I walk out and he was like, I can't come anywhere close to that. I was like, all right, I'll see you later. I'm going to think about it. And he was like, don't think too long or you might see it in somebody else's driveway. And I was like, there are plenty of these cars around. I'll get a different one. And I shook his hand and I left and I felt great about it. Um, and then a few days later, I ended up buying a new brand new version of that car. Um, a couple of days ago, actually that, that the original, uh, manager called me and said they had a calling back. Exactly. They had a new offer and it still wasn't what I had told them I was going to pay for it, but it was much closer. And I was like, yeah, I bought a different car and they were like, Oh, (laughs) okay. Tisk tisk. Serves them right. I guess. Yeah. My tibble is that I've had a few calls go kind of wrong this week. I have had to do a lot of like, I don't know, tracking people down, trying to all just like adult stuff, like no real important people like friends or whatever, but just municipalities and my, my buildings, like management company and all this kind of stuff. I called the management company to like try to talk about some stuff with my lease and changing insurance providers. Mm. And like literally the number was just disconnected. Like I just can't call them. So I don't know. I guess I have to find their office and go there and talk it out in person. But yeah, a whole bunch of just not being able to get a hold of the people I need to get a hold of this week has not been great. Yeah. Those, those, uh, quote unquote adult nonsense things to do those tasks. God, I hate tasks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. On to our listener question of the week. And this week, our question comes from Dorigan who put out a bunch of content, by the way, on Nuka Penna leading up to the release. So if you haven't checked out his YouTube channel, definitely do it. Past left drafts on YouTube puts out some really good stuff. And this week, Dorgan asks, which family would you join? So you're not born into one of them. You just have the option. Which would you choose? Ooh, easy cab already. Out of all of these, I mean, okay, I guess I have to think a little more realistically. If I were to like a nice, stable job, it seems like the brokers might be the one to go to, you know, kind of do a little bit of nonsense tax accounting. I, I could be a number cruncher if I really wanted to. But if I was going to really go for the, the, the life I'd prefer, got to be Cabaretti. Uh, I could see myself maybe hopping in one of their bands, uh, drumming away, something like that. Uh, it, it, indulging a little bit of halo here and there, perhaps. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I like to think of myself as a pretty good mixologist. Maybe I could uh, uh, add halo to my repertoire of, of uh, brews that I know how to, how to cook up. So uh, plus, who doesn't like a, a great big party? Like that's, that's where I find myself pretty at home. So I, I think if I had to pick, it looks like the cab ready have the most fun. Also, they're all just like like giant lion people. <laughs> there's like Leonin and there's Viashino. There's there's all sorts of characters down there. It seems like a fun place to be. Oh, and yep. not to mention the treasure. <laughs> like they're the treasure house. Who doesn't want some of that? That's a good point. Yeah, I think I fit most at home with the brokers personally. I'm not a big party person. I typically like to stay to myself and I for lack of trying, almost always end up being the well actually guy, no matter how much I try not to be. And and so I think uh, I think I'd fit in best with the brokers. Plus, they have bird people and bird people are definitively better than cat people. Oh, man. I don't know about this one. I think your old buddy, Johnny, would beg to differ, but we'll see. Yeah, that's you know, that's fair. We don't have a bird planeswalker yet, do we? I guess not. We have Sarah the Benevolent. She's an angel planeswalker. Does no, that no, count? we need we need an Avon planeswalker. I'm not even entirely sure if Sarah counts as an angel or if all the 
I know she's like one of the progenitors of angels on many planes, but I don't know if she herself isn't. Okay, never mind. I guess we don't have an Avon planeswalker. We'll, we'll get one eventually. It'll be like a blue-white nonsense. I don't Love know. it. <laughs> All right. So before we jump into our real main topic this week, we wanted to do a little bit of a roundup on the pre-release. We had a fairly in-depth roundup with our office hours, which we did for our patrons the day of pre-release, so about a week ago. And that went really well. It was a lot of fun talking with you guys and um, definitely keep an eye out or an ear out, as it were, for the next one. We haven't announced the date for that yet, but there will be one in May at some point. But we wanted to give everybody a little bit of a roundup on pre-release. So, Ben, did you have any particular highlights you wanted to go through for pre-release? Well, my pre-release experience was filled with lowlights, uh, more more than highlights. Most of my highlights were uh, sitting next to you and watching you just obliterate the people across from you. Uh, I, I had more fun watching your games than I did playing mine. My deck was very low-powered. The, the best thing that I got to do was Rabble Rousing plus Devilish Valet. I played Cabaretti. Uh, I opened Maestro's Ascendancy, which... It was very disappointing. And then just some, some other nonsense. I opened some lands. I opened a Luxir, which I, you know, didn't think much of at the time. I was like, oh, great. The mythic equipment, whatever, uh, doesn't go in my stone blade deck. I don't need it. Put it right in the bin. And then I found out it's actually worth a bunch. I, I don't know why exactly. We'd had a conversation about it in Discord, but it doesn't seem to do too much. That's not already, you know, in existing competitive decks. I guess it goes in like your super friends decks, or maybe you could use it as a value card. Uh, I'm just not totally sold. It just looks like a, a bit of a wacky uh, design. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but I, I'm glad to find out that I at least got somewhat paid back for my, my cost of entry. Anyway, uh, no, I played a, a very low power cabaretty deck. Again, be- best thing I got to do was just, you know, have a devilish valet with like eight power. I, I actually did get out to 16 power once. Uh, that was one of the few games I won. <laughs> I, I finished one and two. Uh, not my not my best showing. Your, your pre-release was a, a much more exciting uh, ordeal. Yeah, other end of the spectrum. I went with the brokers and didn't know what I was going to choose until I chose it. Like I was back and forth with Ben literally until we walked into the store. And the guy On was the like... On the subway there, Zach was like, what am I going to play? <laughs> yeah. And then the, the guy like the, the, the guy who was running the store... Uh, was handing packs out and he was like, yeah, which house do you want? Cause they didn't make us pre-register for them. And Ben was like, you got to choose one now. <laughs> um, so I went brokers proceeded to open Elspeth for my, my pre-release promo and <sighs> then opened three inspiring overseers and then opened a bunch of other on color, tri-colored cards. Um, I got Some the, people. the dual colored angel that like, frost links your opponent yeah it was it was a really good pool and i went 3061 and had a blast i mean it was just elspeth did work the inspiring overseers were incredible and i the shield counters ended up being better than i anticipated them being i kind of thought with all the one ones floating around that they would kind of just fall off and not actually be that useful turns out they are and a lot of decks find it hard to make the one one tokens um whereas some decks can make tons of them most decks can't make very many very reliably, so the shield counters ended up still being very useful. Yeah, I think that that kind of sums up what I saw. It didn't seem overwhelmingly aggressive, and mana didn't seem to be much of an issue for anybody, which was good to see. Um, those yeah. those commons that fix themselves, like they have the extra two-cost exile effect that lets you turn a land into a tri- triome, uh, super useful. They are probably my favorite commons in the set. Not that they're the best commons, mm-hmm. but like they are just good. 
and you always want one. Um, sometimes you want two if they're even if they're like one color off because they fix so well. And yeah, I think that that sums it up for me. Yeah, we saw a lot of good stuff. I can comment on some of the power in my opponent's decks. Rafine, Scheming Seer, uh, awesome mythic. I really got worked by it, and I, I thought I had a good game plan against it. I thought I could race. Uh, turns out you can't. <laughs> it's it's just that good. Yeah, no, a, a lot of the combos seem playable. No one of these five houses seems particularly weak compared to the others. I'm sure as, as we actually get some gameplay and once Arena starts working, uh, we'll find out which of the strongest houses are. But... No, everything felt pretty good. Um, it, it's a strange set. You do have to hit your mana. Uh, and the presence of tap lands and treasures means that it's not like your usual curve outs that will sometimes happen where in a game of limited you go land, two drop, land, three drop, land, four drop. In this, you might like, you know, make a treasure, slam a four drop a turn early, then have to rework your curve a little bit, play a three drop the next turn alongside a tap land. There's some nonsense like that that makes the games feel a little bit clunkier mana wise. But besides that, you do still curve out relatively well. And the, the two color decks are able to curve out easier anyway. Yeah, it's a little less autopilot-y in that way. Like, you have to think mm. a bit more and, so, and like, kind of work out the puzzle a little bit, um, which makes the, the format a little more enjoyable to me, personally. I think uh, it makes the games a little less cookie-cutter. But that is something to consider. And we, at least from pre-release perspective, obviously only have experience in Sealed. So the draft environment may very well be quite different and we'll have to see how that goes once the servers open up i did get to draft with dorigan uh who we mentioned earlier on the streamer like pre-access event thing we did one draft and um it seems like the jun colors were flowing very nicely but none of none of the cards that were flowing were good (laughs) in those (laughs) colors so it seems like people don't really want the jun colors but we'll pick up the cards in those colors that are good at least from that event uh, there's obviously a very limited number of people playing in it so hard to say what the actual draft meta will look like but something to keep in mind as we get into our actual draft environment now we did mention that the servers are being a bit wacky today so while this would normally be a live draft what we're doing ben managed to get one draft in before the the servers kind of crapped out so we're going to walk through that one draft and do it that way. So it's kind of a quote unquote live draft. I haven't seen the draft log yet, so it's new to me and definitely going to be live for me. Ben has walked through it, but we're going to try to take a fresh approach at it. So why don't we start out with pack one, pick one here. All right. On the plus side, we don't actually have to rush through these like we usually do, given the the, the timer. We can actually take our time with these picks. So pack one, pick one. I, I I got to open up a pack and I got, I don't even know how I got into this draft. Honestly, I think I just got lucky. It seems like the servers have been whack all day, but you know, I'll take what I can get. My pack one, pick one. Well, I, I opened Luxier Giada's Gift again. Now I was much more disappointed to open it here. Uh, if this was a paper, yeah, sure. Maybe I'll just take my $20 bill and pass the pack. But uh, online, that doesn't quite work out the same way. Luxier, uh, of course, is the equipment Equipped creature gets plus one plus one for each counter on it. It's not a planeswalker as long as it's equipped. As long as and it is a creature in addition to its other types, it is equipped planeswalker one, equipped three. It just like turns your planeswalkers into creatures and they get plus. Uh, it, it don't worry about it. It's it's not a limited card. It is a, a stone cold unplayable unless you manage to have four planeswalkers in your limited deck, and even then, it's not that good. So next up, cement shoes. That's the. Uh, one colorless, the accrued creature gets plus three, plus three, and has the beginning of your end step. Tap this creature, but it doesn't untap during its controller's untap step. 
Don't love this card. Riveteer's Charm, that's the one that has Soul Shatter for the first mode. Exile top three, you may play them next uh, until next end step for the second mode, or Exile Graveyard for the third mode. Last uncommon here, Sleep with the Fishes. That's the two blue blue aura. Uh, it enchants a creature, taps it down, doesn't let it untap, and it makes a 1-1 one, one blue fish with unblockable. Then there's some assorted commons in here. There's a Buyer Silence, the big white removal spell. There's an Echo Inspector, the, uh, the blue 2-3 flying that connives. Uh... Broker's Hideout, the land that lets you go get a forest, plains, or island. Out of town, the blue removal spell. Uh, put an online permanent on top or bottom of library. Uh, prize fight. Yeah, you prize fight. Besides, uh, yeah, besides the Luxier, not a ton of excitement going on in here. My eyes went to the River Tears charm because this is just such a flexible card. And I figure, hey, it's the start of the new set. I want to take something fun. I want to take something exciting. Uh, Sleep with the Fishes is another solid pick. I think it's probably between Riveteer's Charm and Sleep with the Fishes, uh, given the choice between locking myself into a double blue card or taking a Jund card, that was never really <laughs> too much of a of a decision. Uh, and Cement Shoes, the other uncommon, just you know, didn't seem too great. So I went with the Riveteer's Charm here. Yeah, so one of the interesting things that we often talk about in Limited is how dual-colored cards are cards that you typically don't want to take early because they lock you into two colors that you may not end up playing. In this set, I find that the three color cards actually do the opposite. They help you stay open because there's yeah. so much overlap with the with the guilds or the families, as it were, in this set that taking this Riveteer's Charm here doesn't lock you into Jund. It locks you into either black green, black red, or red green, or any of the families that use two of those as their main colors. So you and and the splashing and mana fixing is so good in this set that you really can easy. actually actually play off-color, tri-colored cards quite easily. That said, um, I would also take the Riveteer's Charm here. I think I probably would also be looking at the Sleep with the Fishes. I'm f- a big fan of Echo Inspector. I think a lot of people are lower on that card than they should be. It looks like a 4-mana 2-3 flyer, which isn't great, but it usually will enter the battlefield, draw you a card, and then also be a 3-4 flyer, and that is generally pretty good for 4-mana. Um, and then prize fight would have been the other common that I'd look at if the two uncommons we were looking at weren't in the pack. So yeah, I think Riveteer's Charm is the pick here. It's funny. This draft is actually going to confirm your hypothesis pretty much exactly. This idea that uh, if you if you just start taking a bunch of stuff in, in a, various colors or with multicolored pips, it keeps you open. So pack one, pick two here. I actually got past a mythic. And, you know, no shade to the person that passed this, but... You know, on day one of the format, I'm not usually passing Mythics, uh, he says as he passes Luxier. <laughs> but like this is what Luxier is one that we, we're, we're pretty easily able to say, nah, that's a miss. But Angel of Suffering, this one looks pretty hot. I don't know. This is the three black black for a five three flying. It's a nightmare angel. Uh, if damage would be dealt to you, prevent that damage and mill twice that many cards. This prevents you from taking damage. This does deck damage instead, which, you know, I, I don't care about that. Mill me out. See if I care. Put in some graveyard synergies, some reanimation effects. There's a graveyard shift right next to it in this pack. That's the, uh, just, you know, a five mana reanimate and it has flash as long as there's five or more mana values among things in your graveyard. Yeah, seems pretty good. I mean, a five mana five three flyer is going to get work done in this format in particular. This is something I didn't mention in our pre-release roundup. Flyers are really good. Like, really, really good. There's maybe one... I think there's one creature at common that has reach in, like, the whole set. And... Or maybe it's at uncommon. Like, there's just not a lot of stuff that deals with flyers besides flyers. 
And you do have Broken Wings, which is also in this pack. That's the three mana instant in green that destroys target artifact, enchantment, or creature with flying. So you do have those. But the Flyers decks are going to be the decks I think that you really want to beat, particularly blue-white Flyers or the Broker's Colors uh, with Flyers are going to be probably like the the most quote-unquote broken tempo aggro decks in the format just from what I saw at pre-release. So I actually really like this 5-3 Flyer. The deck damage thing isn't probably going to make you mill to death. It, it might. There might be games where that happens and you're like, oh crap, I want this thing to die so they stop milling me. But... This is just going to kill them before you get to do that. So, I mean, this, if nothing else, this in some board states is a threat that just prevents you from losing the game. Just a full stop. I mean, if your board is developed enough, uh, it, it does suffer a bit against opposing flyers, but then just don't attack with this, right? And just leave it back as a flying blocker. And, you know, it's a 5-3 flying. Like, <laughs> they have to either kill this or they just die. Yeah, it's also worth mentioning most of the flyers in this format are not big. Like most of them have mm. less than three power or, you know, like the Echo Echo Inspector can have three power if you want it to, mm-hmm. but they don't always. And most of the flyers in this format are two or less. So a 5-3 is actually like a significant flyer in this format. And it's probably going to eat a removal spell or something, but then it ate a removal spell and you can still kind of stabilize and use that to your advantage. Other cards in this pack that seem reasonable are light em up. In the commons, there's also a um, Obscura, what is it, Storefront and Tramway Station. Both of those are solid, I think, picking up lands. There's also Botanical Plaza in this set, in this uh, pack, as well as Aspara's Adjudicators. Nothing, I think, that we want now, given that we took a Jund card and are looking... Obviously, we want to take um, Angel Suffering here over these commons anyway, but just worth mentioning and looking at some of these lands that you see, because those are going to be cards that you want to take pretty highly later on in the format, or later on in the draft. So next up, it seems the person to my right was not a fan of black rares. They passed me Cut of the Profits. That's X black black for a sorcery. It's rare. It has casualty three, so you can sacrifice a creature with three or a greater power to copy the spell. You draw X cards and lose X life. So I don't think you're very often copying this. You know, like you have to be sacrificing a real thing on board. You don't just get free three power creatures out of nowhere. I don't know. Plus, at that point, you lose X life twice. So uh, you're actually starting to get in a bit of a danger zone there. However, this is just a black, black X, draw X, lose X. And that's like a fine card in like a, a, a slow matchup, which if I'm playing this like Jund Angel of Suffering deck, maybe, maybe not. Maybe I'm going to be more aggressive. I might have some Blitz creatures in the end. But I also don't know that for sure. Maybe I'm just going to be in black again. This is day one of the format. I'm trying out new rares. I slammed it here again over another graveyard shift. There's an, an Illuminator Virtuoso. It's the one of the might 1-1 uh, at Uncommon. It has double strike, and whenever it becomes the target of a spell you control, it connives. Seemed pretty far away from this. Uh, there was a Corrupt Court Official, which was the one of the black 1-1. When it enters the battlefield, target opponent discards a card. I mean, it's just a virus beetle, right? This is a strong effect, and it'll play well with sacrifice synergies. It, it, it can go well on other things, too. I, 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 this is another card that I was considering here. I was also considering the Racer's Ring. That's the red-green uh, dual land or the Riveteer's Outlook. But, you know, it's day one of the format. I'm not passing rares. Yeah, I think um, I think I'd go with the cut of the profits here as well. It is something you have to pay attention to, especially when you try to duplicate it or copy it. I have actually seen somebody kill themselves with this card it was on purpose oh, because they were dead anyway, but um, you can do it. So keep an eye out for that. I think another thing, 
I think the casualty on this card in particular, and some of these higher casualty numbers are going to be kind of outs for you when your opponent puts like a hold the ransom on your card. And mm. so like they, they pacify your creature and then you're like, well, this creature's not doing anything for me anyway. May as well get the extra value out of this casualty spell. So yeah. that's something to keep in mind. The other cards in this pack are not incredible. I think I'd take one of the lands over the graveyard shift at this point. Those seem to be flowing, and you probably can pick some up. I mean, they are on commons, but there are two alone in this in this first pack already, so you may be able to get one of those. I like the Corrupt Court Official for later Casualty 1 cards because it's a great card to sack to Casualty 1. But, yeah, not really in contention here. So I would have either looked at the lands and maybe taken, like, the Racer's Ring over the Cut of the Profits. But you're right. The rares are, are fun to play with, and it's the first draft of the format. Let's go ahead and take the cut. Next up, no more rares, sadly. We've got a glittering stockpile. That's the Tuna Red uh, treasure artifact that taps, and you can put storage counters on it, uh, and then sacrifice the whole thing to get a bunch of mana at once. There's a Mage's Attendant. That's Tuna White for a 3-2 Cat Rogue. And when it enters the battlefield, you get a 1-1 one, one Blue Wizard that has uh, pay one, sacrifice this creature, counter-target spell, or, sorry, non-creature spell, unless its controller pays one. It does a little force spike. Let's see, what else have we got in here? Dig up the body. <laughs> it's the black card where you mill, uh, and then you can return a creature from your graveyard to your hand. It has casualty one. There's a lot of little little nonsense cards in here. Uh, there's a witness protection that's the blue swords to plowshares, so they say. Uh, it's the blue removal spell that turns something into a legitimate business person. Uh, a mayhem patrol in this pack that's the one and a red for one, two with menace. One of the attacks, it gives target creature plus one, plus one until end of turn, and you can blitz it. There's a For the Family, which can be a plus two, plus two, or plus four, plus four if you have four creatures for just one green. I actually took the Mage's Attendant here. It just seemed like the strongest card in the pack. And sure, it clashes a little bit with my current colors. But at this point, I'm thinking, hmm, I see not any super strong black cards in this pack, but I do have a few strong black cards as is. Maybe I wind up in Obscura. Who knows? Or maybe I wind up in some other black-white-X combo. Who knows? I mean... I, I'm sure I'm going to do it a few times before the set ends, play a three-color combo that isn't on the list. Maybe I wind up in some sort of Obzon deck. The fixing in the set seems good enough, right? Mage's Attendant just seemed like the strongest card in the pack, so I took it here. Maybe Glittering Stockpile would have been better, but uh, I saw Mage's Attendant do some solid work at the pre-release. Yeah, so it's interesting. Mage's, Mage's Tenant is definitely a solid card. I, I like it a lot, and I think that the 1-1 one, one it makes is a super relevant creature in this format. I would have maybe given a little more thought to the glittering stockpile or even the cabaretti courtyard mm. cabaretti courtyard has two of the three colors in jund if you wanted them now notably the one that it's missing is the one that you have the most cards in <laughs> right so it's missing black but it does enable some splashing later on if you happen to want to splash a white card later it lets you do that it kind of makes gets you two white sources for the price of one if you play one planes you can grab it with this one thing that you do need to keep in mind with these with these cards is that because they only grab very specific cards rather than like any basic you need to keep in mind that if you're if you're trying to splash one of these and you happen to only have like one or two sources in those colors and you draw that source, then this is just a dead card. Like it does literally nothing. You play it and it sacks itself and that's it. Um, something to keep you in mind. You could run out, yeah. Like if you draw, in some weird case where you're splashing for like mountain and a plains in, in, in like a, I don't even know. You could imagine where you you don't have enough to, to, to go up and get your last card out of it. But for the most part, I think it's pretty safe. Do make sure you, you play like one of each of them. 
uh, just in case. Like always have at least one of the basics. Sometimes if you have enough white splash cards, you think like, oh, I don't need to play a basic. I have like three dual lands. Right. Uh, this one, this is a dual land that still requires you to play that that planes. Right. So again, I took the mage's attendant. Moving on, pack one, pick five. Some blue cards, and this pack uh, was a little upsetting because the black stopped flowing. There's a Fairy Vandal, which we know back from Eldraine. Uh, there's a patch up or turn up to three target creature cards with total mana value three or less from the graveyard to the battlefield. So that could get back three, you know, one ones, I guess, one mana cards uh, or one three drop or a two drop and a, and a one drop. But, you know, other stuff in here, the only black card is Demon's Dew. That's the three and a black instant at common. Scry two, draw two, you lose two. A fine card, but not exactly where I want to be right now. Those kind of card draw effects aren't super high picks, and I already have a solid card draw effect in Cut of the Profits. There's a prize fight. There's a sky crier. There's the wrecking crew, that common with the reach that we mentioned. I slammed the prize fight here. Uh, I didn't want to take a blue card, although it does seem like blue is flowing. There's a make disappear, a rooftop nuisance, two seemingly solid blue cards alongside the fairy vandal. Uh, I took a prize fight in hopes of cutting green from my left and hoping to get hooked up solidly with green in pack two. Yeah, so one thing to keep in mind here, and you kind of did this when you took the white card, but for, for the listener's sake, one thing to keep in mind is, yeah, we took a Jund card first, but then we took two double black cards. We are not in Jund. We are hardly in black, but we are we're pretty pretty solidly in black. But given that it's not flowing, I would be looking to potentially not be playing black or splashing it at the least. But we're not in Jund, so we're kind of free to start taking whatever is the best. Like keep taking whatever the best card in the pack is. Fairy Vandal does really well in in some of the decks that play like lots of inspiring overseers or or lots of connive cards because you can get that second draw pretty reliably and then it gets big and it warrants a removal spell and it's a nuisance for your opponent uh prize fight's a great removal spell though and i think if we do want to try to plant our flag and and make the jun thing work that's going to be one that we want to have there's also a rooftop nuisance in this pack which is the two and a blue sorcery with casualty one that lets you lock down your opponent's creature tap it and it doesn't untap during their next untap step and then you draw a card a solid blue spell that can provide some pretty decent tempo in the decks that want it we're pretty far from that, but just something to keep in mind. There's a lot of blue. There's like hardly any green or black in this pack. And then there's a sky crier as well in white in the commons. Um, I like the prize fight here. If we were in slightly different color, like I do think we want to be pushing the Jun thing where we can. And prize fight is a good card in green. Like it's, it's one of the better commons in green. So seeing that makes me, makes me think maybe these packs just haven't had many green cards in them. If your opponent mm-hmm. was taking the good green cards, prize fights one they would have taken. Next pack, pack six, we've got a uh, Brass Knuckles. That's the four mana equipment. When you cast it, copy it, and the equipped creature gets double strike as long as it has two or more equipment attached to it. With equip one, funny card. I haven't given it a shot yet, and I'll probably wait for someone else to do it first and let me know how, how it goes. There's a take to the streets. That's four and a green for a sorcery at uncommon. Creatures you control get plus two, plus two until end of turn. Citizens get an additional plus one, plus one, and gain vigilance. Uh, there's a glamorous outlaw. That's the Maestro's uh, kind of suspend big foretell uh, exile triome. Do we have a name for this cycle yet? I haven't heard one, but I'm sure someone will come up with it. Yeah, someone smarter or more clever than I. Uh, there's another witness protection, another rooftop nuisance, another case to joint. This looks kind of familiar, actually. Another for the family. Uh, a crooked custodian. That's the one on the black three two that enters the battlefield tapped. But I took take to the streets. This just seemed like a more powerful effect. Plus, uh, I love a good overrun, and this doesn't give trample or anything, but it seems pretty close. And I was thinking maybe if I wind up in green, green seems pretty uh, pretty keen on 
creating citizen creature tokens, especially green and red, which if I wind up in, in Riveteers, then they're somewhere tangential to Riveteers. Shouldn't be too hard to do. Yeah. So one thing that we have been seeing quite a bit of is blue cards. And we saw a bunch of good ones pass to us. I think I would have taken the Glamour's Outlaw here and speculated on a potential blue splash because this still lets you tap for black and red, which might be two of your main colors. And then it kind of gives us an out to draft Maestros. Like I said, some of these three color cards really just keep you pretty open. And I'm not a big fan of Take to the Streets in this format. I haven't found it to be useful, so I would have taken the Glamour's Outlaw. Well, I took the Streets, so... Next up, this pack was a bit of a wash. I actually did think... Kind of along the lines of what you just said, I, th- this is the point in my draft when I started thinking maybe I should have taken a blue card last pack. So this is pick seven. This is Metropolis Angel. That's the two white blue, the three one that when you attack with one of our creatures you control with counters on them, draw a card. There's also another case to join, another make disappear. There's a corrupt court official again and extract the truth, uh, which I think is kind of unplayable. But there's another broker's hideout, a speakeasy server and a rocks pummeler. So I took the angel here, seeing it as a bit of a sign. This was my thought, okay, blue is definitely flowing, possibly even blue and white. Uh, I could consider that I may have just gotten fully, you know, sniped out of my colors. And this is a hedge pick. I think if I have been totally sniped out of my colors, uh, then it would be worth it for me to have the Metropolis Angel because it seems like a strong effect and I don't really know exactly how strong yet. Although blue white skies does seem pretty powerful in the set as from what you've told me too. Uh, other picks in here that I think I could have considered would have been the Broker's Hideout, the Rock's Pummeler, or the, the Court Official. Uh, but, you know, besides this, I, this is a bit of a waffling pick. I, I remember distinctly thinking like, oh God, not like this, not like this on the first draft. But again, this is a, an EV pick, I'd say, over anything else. Right. So to put this into perspective here, right, the last couple of picks that we sort of diverged on, you and I, were the Mage's Attendant and the Take to the Streets. In, ter- in place of the Mage's Attendant, if you had taken the Cabaretti Courtyard that was in that pack, you'd have a really nice way to grab a white source. And then if you had taken the Glamorous Outlaw instead of the Take to the Streets, you'd have a really nice way to get a blue source, all of which keep you locked into your main other colors in, in the Jun family. And that would have made it super easy to splash Metropolis Angel. So this is the kind of stuff I'm talking about in this format, where if you can kind of see these little lines instead of taking cards that probably add value to your deck, like Mage's Attendant will be amazing if you can play it. Mm-hmm. But it would have set you up much better to take the Cabaret Courtyard and then into like a Glamour's Outlaw or something. So I, I really think it's worth keeping an eye open for those things. Um, in this particular spot, you're kind of face down with the Metropolis Angel, Rocks Pummeler or Broker's Hideout. Rocks Pummeler is like a fine top end, but it's not anything to really be like super thrilled about playing, in my opinion. The Broker's Hideout, I think, is too far from your main colors because they're all i guess you, you get you get green but the other two are are off color so i actually like the metropolis angel pick here as a hedge to later pick up stuff that will let you cast it mm-hmm. what i'm kind of thinking here is i may just end up in solid brokers like i, I have the right. prize fight i have the mage's attendant and if i happen to get cut out of black from my right then uh, i'm losing angel of suffering i'm losing uh, cut of the profits but that's just two cards, and I guess the, the Riveteer's Charm. But I'm thinking, like, with Take to the Streets, Mage's Attendant, and Prize Fight, the Metropolis Angel does give me that line into Brokers if I need it. Right. And it's worth mentioning, too, typically when you see yourself get cut from one d- direction, you're not, like, I'm expecting to see a lot of black in the next pack because nobody to your left is taking black, so they should be passing it to you, which will hook you up if you do end up wanting to stick to, like, a black-green or black-white-based kind of deck. 
So you could take the Metropolis Angel here and still end up in Obscura as well. Like it does give you a lot of other options. And so again, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it was a solid pick there. Next up, this is uh, pick eight. We've got a big score, an expendable lackey. Uh, two of the, uh, we got to come up with a name. For I kind of want to call them family fixers because they fix family, in the family fixers. colors. I like it. Two family fixers here, the glamorous outlaw and the rackish revelers. Uh, so that's the ones for uh, Cabaretti and Maestro's. And then uh, a hold for ransom, an ominous parcel, and a psionic snoop. I took the hold for ransom here. I, again, saw this as a bit of a, a leanings uh, in that I might be winding up in uh, in brokers. And I, I thought, okay, well, I have some removal. Uh, I have a prize fight, and I have a River Tears charm. But kind of no matter what colors I want to wind up in, I'm going to want some removal spells. So I figured the, the value of taking a hold for ransom, should I wind up in a tempo-y white deck with a bunch of flyers? Pacifism is so great in one of those types of decks. We are just looking to chip in for that damage, get the thing out of the way temporarily, close up the game before that seven mana activated ability matters. I should note, I actually did pay the seven during pre-release, and that was what allowed me to swing in with the devilish valet uh, and a bunch of the creatures use rabble rousing to copy a million times. And I whacked my opponent for like 19 damage or something stupid like that. Hold for ransom, a solid little card. It's mostly just a pacifism. Other considerations here would have been the revelers and the outlaw, right? Yeah, I don't think I don't think anything else in this pack is worth looking at. The hold for ransom is interesting in this format. It's a little bit worse than I think usual pacifisms are because you do have the ability or rather your opponent has the ability to pay the seven and kind of get their card and, and get their creature back and casualties in this format. And so you can kind of let them cash in the hold for ransom for an extra copy of a relative relevant spell. That said, it does still slow them down. And I think it's a great tempo play for the decks that want to take advantage of that or need to take advantage of that. In this case, given what you have, I would probably have just taken the hold for ransom and then really kept an eye out on what, like you're basically just telling yourself, like, I don't know what I'm playing yet, but it's one of these yeah. potentially two different families. And so I want to stay open and try to figure that out. And these family fixers are going around. Like we've seen tons of them so far. So yeah. I'm not too worried about picking them up that early at this point. Let's be honest. This hasn't been the easiest draft to navigate. It's not like I just got past like a million good Jund cards. Uh, like like Jund card after Jund card after after Jund card. Like I was kind of hoping after having taken two solid black rares and a River Tears charm from the beginning. But because of that, I've kind of had to waffle, I guess, a little bit. And in a multicolored set, because there's so much good fixing, you do have a little more leeway, like we've been saying. My wheel pack, it's just Esper stuff. Uh, so all we've got, we've got a witness protection, a run into town, an obscure initiate, extract the truth, by your silence and the cement shoes that no one was interested in. So uh, I felt pretty far away from from any of these, to be honest. By your silence, maybe would have been the closest thing. But at this point, I'm, I'm thinking blue is just going around the table and no one is taking it. I took a run out of town and I didn't think too much about it. Despite likely uh, not being super deep into blue, it seemed like if I was going to play blue, it would be the card I want most. Just a solid format or removal spell gets anything out of the way. And I figured if I was playing blue, maybe I'd be like base green white with a, a bit of a blue splash towards the top end. Uh, just seemed like a, a solid card to pick up there. Yeah. So interestingly, either blue or white here lets you stay in Obscura or Brokers, which is another th aspect of this format that lets you kind of stay open longer by taking multicolor cards. Um, you you really could have ended up in either of the two and neither of these two picks would have been wrong regardless of which you ended up in so i could have seen taking the buy for si uh buy your silence 
The Exile matters a lot. There are a lot of cards in this format that care about dying, and yeah. there are a lot of cards that have like shield counters and stuff. So like this gets around that as well. Run out of town does that also. So you know you, you kind of take your pick. I do think giving the treasure to your opponent is a real upside for them. So a downside for the card. I am spending way too much time on a pick that ultimately I don't think really matters. But the run out of town is is a solid pickup. Mm-hmm. Pick ten. We've got broken wings, expendable lackey, social climber. Sparrow's Adjudicators and the Botanical Plaza. That's the green-white land. So a ton of uh, broker stuff. <laughs> we went yeah, from a ton a of, of obscure stuff. stuff to a ton of broker stuff. Yeah, exactly. Uh, at this point, I'm thinking that I'm probably going to wind up in brokers. I took the Adjudicators uh, over the Botanical Plaza, thinking that, you know, I'd rather have the creature for now. Hopefully the land I can pick up later. I can pick up some of the other hideouts uh, type lands. So a fam- my first family fixer for this draft. So I felt pretty, uh, pretty happy having at least one of those because then I know I'm probably going to be end up I'm probably going to end up playing green here because I have a, a prize fight. I'm probably going to end up playing white because I have a hold for ransom. And then I'd like to play black. I'm not saying I was trying to force myself into an Obzon deck in a in a three-color set where it's not where it's not supported. But, you know, I, I've done worse with, with more or, and with less. So I, I took the Spars Adjudicators here. Next up, we're getting down to uh, pick 11, the last few things. Make Disappear, a Majestic Metamorphosis, which uh, I've... I'd like to see how this one plays out. I'd like to try it, but this definitely wasn't the deck for it. A Gathering Throng and a Civic Gardener. I took the Gathering Throng. I mean, it's pretty much just a free pickup here. Maybe I wind up getting a few more late in the late game or in the late draft. If you have like three of these, they're usually pretty solid. Did you get to play much with Throngs during the pre-release? I didn't see a single one hit the field. No, I only opened one in my pre-release pool, so I just didn't even play it. Yeah, I, I mean... This type of effect tends to be pretty solid. If you can go search out two, it's a pretty great card. Plus, these are three ones. That's a pretty relevant stat line. Sure, they trade down with with uh, tokens, but you're never going to block them. They do trade profitably with pretty much everything else. Next up, we had Case the Joint, Daring Escape, and Witness Protection. I slammed the Witness Protection. It's just a removal spell. Maybe if I do wind up playing more blue, I'd, I'd need it. Last two cards left in this uh, Backstreet Bruiser, and then Make Disappear. I took the Make Disappear. And then the single card we get pick 14 is Case the Joint. So, not super exciting, but I, I have the makings of a solid Bant deck, a, a solid Broker's deck. Now, of course, I have this Angel of Suffering and this Cut of the Prophets and this Riveteer's Charm as my three black cards with, with, with the Spars Adjudicators as, uh, as potential fixing. A little bit short on other fixing right now, hoping to pick up some lands in the future. I, uh, well, <laughs> I didn't see too much. But if we jump into pack two, pick one, we opened the Professional Facebreaker. That's the two in a red, two, three with Menace, a rare. Whenever one or more creatures you control deals combat damage to a player, create a treasure token. Sacrifice a treasure, exile the top card of your library. You may play this card this turn. Now hear me out. I'm looking at a mess of cards and I'm thinking, wow, I've got a bunch of cards in, in blue, green, white, black. I need to take a red card. <laughs> So uh, now, again, I may have gotten a little swept up in the in the day oneness of the format, but I'm thinking professional facebreaker. This is a stupidly good card. This seems like it's going to be one of the best cards in the set. I mean, it's immense card advantage and mana advantage. Like that's that's a very me type of card. I, I'm in love with this. So it's going to take a lot to sway me off of this, especially because I do have some dips into red. I do have the Riveteer's Charm. Uh, which, you know, could potentially lead me back into Jund. And I do have a little bit of, of uh, treasure production floating around, too. 
Also uh, up in this pack, Lagrell the Magpie, which is likely the correct pick here, but let's not talk about it. Security Rocks, that's the red-green one that you can just pay two mana for a 5-4 if you use treasures to cast it. Uh, Stimulus Package, also the, the red-green uncommon. Uh, the four-mana enchantment, ETV make two treasures, and you can sack a treasure to make a 1-1. One, one. Other notable things in this pack, an Exhibition Magician, which uh, seems just a good solid rate. Uh, there's a Masked Bandits, that's the Riveteer's uh, Family Fixer. Not much else is the Girdagoons, which seems like a good rate. This is a speakeasy server. Uh, five mana, three, three flying, gains you some life. Another expendable lackey. Are you going to tell me you would have taken Lagrella here? Uh, so I think you're really far from playing red at this point. I think you are pretty close to almost certainly playing Brokers, and if not that, probably Obscura, but I don't think red is really on the menu. The only red card you have is the Riveteer's Charm, and you're pretty far from playing that in the first place. Uh, mm-hmm. So I I would not have taken the Professional Facebreaker here. I would have probably taken Lagrella because it serves as a really good removal spell, as well as just being a fine creature on its own. It's in your colors, and, but there's a maybe a chance it wheels, given that it is three color. I just think the fixing's so good here, that's not really something you can rely on. I, I did notice you missed, like, or not missed, you you looked over the backup agent. And while it's not an exciting card, I think it's worth getting a mention here. It's a two-mana mm. 1-1 one, one that puts a 1-1 one, one counter on something. And there are a lot of cards in the broker's colors that care about something having uh, counters. Mm-hmm. And you already have the Metropolis Angel, which is one of those cards. So just being able to throw something that has the ability to put counters on things in your deck is good. And two drops are valuable. But I would have taken the Lugrella here. Yeah, well, I was feeling a little spicy because it's the first draft of the format. And I'm thinking, how am I going to get all these great value cards into my deck? I need some treasure production. And you know what makes treasures? Professional Facebreaker. I'm not going to lie. I was swayed here because I, this is one of the cards I've been most excited to try out. And the, the notion of passing one in my first draft, just it hit a little too close to home. Yeah, I think Milgrello is the correct pick here. I slammed the Professional Facebreaker. And uh, don't worry, I, I, I didn't. You know, I didn't whiff this draft too hard because I got past Tenacious Underdog. That's one of the black for a 3-2 at rare. Uh, It is Blitz, two black, black, pay two life. And you can cast it from your graveyard if you use its Blitz ability. So pack two, pick two here. I'm just slamming another rare, but I can tell you what else is in the pack. There's a Nightclubber, and that's the one black, black, 2-2. When it enters the battlefield, creatures your opponent's control get minus one, minus one until end of turn. You could Blitz it for two and a black. Seems pretty strong. Another patch up. Uh, also in this pack, there's a deal gone bad, solid black removal spell. Uh, but I think I'm I'm trying out the underdog before I take one of these. There's a fake your own death, the uh, combat trick uh, that saves a creature if you want. When that creature would die this turn, instead of return to the battlefield, tap under its owner's control, and you create a treasure. Creature gets plus two plus zero. Oh. Some of the little things, uh, revelation of power. There's a broker's hideout. Yeah, sure. I mean, if I had taken the Lagrella, I guess I would take the broker's hideout here, right? But you know, I'm on that tenacious underdog. Yeah, I, I think I would have taken the broker side out. I at this point, I'm thinking I'm playing brokers, but would like to find a way to splash my angel if possible. Mm. And the hideouts help do that. If you can find an obscura hideout, you'll be pretty happy. And you have the uh, spars adjudicators, which can help splash it as well. I guess can't really help splash it, but you can look for some of the other family fixers to help splash it. I, I would have just taken the broker side out and been pretty much off of black other than trying to splash the ones that I already have. Well, let's just say at this point in the draft, I was feeling like a bit of a tenacious underdog and 
<laughs> I felt like I was uh, starting to claw back into the the the, uh, the confidence zone. Uh, next here we have uh, for pick three we had an illuminator virtuoso we talked about that one already an out of the way uh, that's the blue instant costs two less to target a green permanent returns an online permanent opponent controls to its owner's hand and draw a card there's a scuttling butler three mana for a four one and at the beginning of combat on your turn if you control two or more multicolored permanents gains double strike and slant a turn uh very funny not really trying it out today there's a snooping newsy my favorite card in this set uh, there's a Dapper Shield Mate, which seems pretty solid. Another easy way to get a, a, a counter on something you control, like you mentioned. Uh, but notably in this pack, there is a Skybridge Towers. There's a Racer's Ring. And there's a Strangle, which is one red to deal three damage to a creature or Planeswalker, which, you know, sure, it doesn't kill things with shield counters on it. But, you know, it's the best thing in the pack, right? <laughs> like, Dude, I'm it, so confused with what you're doing here. You're so far from playing red. I don't know why you're taking a red card here. I didn't actually think I was that far from playing red. Okay, so at this point, I was starting to see this draft as an everything but blue deck. Because if we look at the quality of my blue cards, Metropolis Angel, I don't have anything else that can give counters right now. But you're passing cards that do that. So you, you could be making your Metropolis Angel better. Okay, so let's not, let's not say this is my best draft of all time. But... At the same time, I, I committed to the bit the moment I took the professional face breaker. I, I had in the back of my head that like this might I was going to try to force a bit of a Jun draft here. Look, do as I say, not as I do. Right. I'm thinking case the joint doesn't seem great. Witness protection make this appear. None of these seem fantastic. The adjudicators I can still play if I wind up in some sort of green uh, like green white deck. But I'm not loving blue here. Uh, and I am liking red. My red card quality is just so much higher. The professional face breaker and strangle is just one mana deal three. That still takes out pretty much anything of value that your opponent has going on. And yeah, sure, it, it gets blanked by a by a shield counter, but you know, there's ways around that. Yeah, I still think like even if you were if you were focused on trying to make Jund work, I would have just taken the racer's ring. Like you have no way to cast your spells without taking lands and you're so far from casting the ones you have in the first place, I would have not been on the strangle here, but um, guilty if, as charged. If you're trying to do the Jun thing, I think I would have taken the races ring. If you're not trying to do the Jun thing and stick to the brokers thing, I probably would have taken the Skybridge towers or maybe the dapper shield mate. I haven't been like a huge fan of dapper shield mate, but it does put counters on things and it's a pretty sizable attacker. And these brokers decks tend to be pretty tempo oriented and wanting to get in damage where they can. And this gets basically a free attack in. So mm. there's also a fiend's informant, which kind of serves a similar purpose to the uh, the other guy you mentioned, the backup agent. Except this one connives. I guess in order to get the counter, you do have to make sure you discard a non uh, a non land card. The illuminator virtuoso seems interesting too. Whenever it becomes a target of a spell, you control it connives. I feel like this would pair pretty well. I forget the name of it, but it does a one white instant that puts a shield counter on something, and you scry. Uh, it seems like a nice little combo there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It, shield counters on anything with like first strike or double strike is really, really good. So I took Strangle, uh, knowing full well that I'm I'm sowing my own seeds of destruction. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you kind of get paid off when you go down such wacky lines. Next pack, we've got a Citizen's Crowbar, which I'm pretty far away from. Nowhere near enough Citizens. Another patch up, a Body Dropper, a big score, Broker's Initiate, Exhibition Magician, Jetmere's Fixer, Mayhem Patrol, Social Climber, Obscura Initiate, and Revel Ruiner. By the way, if you're wondering what all these things are, I hope you're watching the video version of this because uh, if you're on Spotify, 
you can just look down and you can see what we're looking at. Here I'd slam the Exhibition Magician because I'm thinking at this point, I'm leaning into this red stuff. Red is flowing and if you check it out, the only blue card in this pack is the Obscura Initiate. So here I'm thinking Exhibition Magician. Uh, if I wind up with any of these Alliance effects, this is great because it makes two bodies. Uh, it also creates treasure, which I'm thinking is going to be a pretty important... <laughs> facet of my deck in that I, I do have some wacky cards and I'm going to need some ways to cast those cards. Now, 17 lands is still suggesting my red cards are my likely sideboard. I don't know. I, I got to have a chat with some, some of the 17 lands folks saying my, my deck idea is not too good here, but uh, I took the Exhibition Magician here. So uh, I know hindsight is 2020, right? But there was a world where you just stuck to your guns in pack one, tried to make the Jund stuff work, and then just took everything Jund oriented like the stimulus package that you opened in pack one of uh, pick one of pack two stimulus package body dropper is a phenomenal combo. And I would have ended up on the body dropper here. Like you could have had a solid Jun deck. I think, I think of the two at this point, like maybe I would have just taken the body dropper as well and just been like, okay, we're doing the Jun thing. And that's what I'm committing to the one off red cards seem difficult for me to like mentally place. Maybe that it puts you in like more of a cab ready thing which could work mm. out for you as well. Um, so Exhibition Magician's not an awful pick here regarding like what you actually have as options. Like Even if, if you were going to stick brokers, I would have taken the Obscure Initiate. Again, the flyers in this format are just really good. But mm -hmm. yeah, Exhibition Magician's fine, I suppose. Pack two, pick five. We got a Fatal Grudge is the first thing out here. That's black, red for the Sorcery at Uncommon. As an additional cost to cast, it sacrifice a non-land permanent. Each opponent chooses a permanent. They control that shares a type with the sacrifice permanent and sacrifices it. Draw a card. It's black red. You know, at this point, I'm thinking, hmm, might be looking kind of good. There's an expendable lackey, a buy your silence, a majestic metamorphosis, rocks pummeler, run of the town, a tramway station, some other junk in there. Uh, here, I think the tramway station and the fatal grudge were on my uh, top picks here. I went with the fatal grudge because I want to solidify removal. At this point, I'm I'm pretty confidently saying I think I think Jund is going to be open for me. I think I can slide into Riveteers here because my power is really there. Uh, I, I felt pretty bad not getting to play this Angel of Suffering, to be honest. So, uh, do I recommend you all do this? No, not at all. Uh, this is not my finest drafting, but I took the Fatal Grudge here, thinking if I can get into a good Riveteers deck uh, at this point. I mean, the cards are flowing like the Tramway Station, the Fatal Grudge. I just have to hope I can wheel the Tramway Station, so I have some kind of fixing. Yeah, I mean, there's one. the one thing that I would be thinking about at this point is you're at pick five of pack two. You know that black is going to dry up in pack three because it did in the first pack, and the people to your right are probably drafting black. That makes it unlikely you're going to get the tramway station back. It makes it unlikely you're going to see much black in pack three. I probably, again, would have just stuck to the brokers thing or gone very heavy from the beginning in just stick to my guns, play Jund. But... Even still, I think I would have taken the tramway station here. You have this, you have the the strangle. You have, I guess that's kind of your only, and the riveteers charm are like your only real removal at this point. But oh, oh you do have the prize too. fight too. Yeah, so like I think you're okay on removal, and you need to be able to cast your stuff, which you you just have no fixing yet if you play Jund. So I would have taken the tramway station. Yeah, this is one that I do regret. I think tramway station was the right pick here. Next up, we've got Cormella Glamour Thief, first card out of our pick six in pack two. Uh, this is one blue, black, red for the 2-4 that's the, uh, is there a name for this cycle? The 
third in command because they're not the rares. I don't know. Whatever they are, she's the uh, the Maestro's vampire rogue. Uh, the one with haste where you can pay one tapper, add blue, black, red. It's spend it only to cast instant or sorceries. And when she dies, return up to one instant or sorcery from graveyard to hand. A solid card, but it's looking pretty far from what I'm doing. Pyre Sledge Arsonist. That's the tune red 2-2. Two, two. You can pay one, tap it, deal X to any target where X is the number of permanents you sacrifice this turn. Other cards in this pack, you got another corrupt court official, another exhibition magician, a glamorous outlaw. We got a plasma jockey, that's the three in a red. Uh, for the three one, one of the attacks, target creature and opponent controls can't block this turn with blitz two in a red. A run out of town. I'll be entirely honest, this one I had to run away from my computer for a second and it auto-picked the Pyre Sledge Arsonist for me. Interesting. <laughs> uh, to be honest, I would not have taken that here. I would have taken either the Exhibition Magician for the additional treasure creation uh, or probably the uh, Glittermonger that was in here too. That's the three and a green one for taps to make a treasure. Yeah, I think I would have taken the Glittermonger as well. Well, Arena seemed to think I'd like the Pyre Sledge Arsonist. So, uh, hey, they heard you wanted but- red cards. <laughs> yeah they saw what i was doing i would have preferred the exhibition magician to be honest but uh you know you take what you can get now next i did feel a little bit better about my my kind of forcing my way into river tears here as we've seen it has been flowing from this direction uh, we've got an arc spitter which very interesting artifact it's one for an equipment equipped creature has pay one this creature deals one damage to target creature that's blocking it and has equipped one I mean, it seems good, but it essentially just gives your creature unblockable, right? I mean, I guess sometimes that's not even the case. Like sometimes they'll just have big enough stuff that this won't matter or you won't be able to keep the mana open to use it. Yeah. I I don't know. Uh, I mean, I guess there's a threat of activation there too, but yeah, it's fine. I'm not thrilled about it. Mm -hmm. I do like that a lot of the, I guess this is like an arc caster uh, i like that a lot of these are framed kind of to look like an old-fashioned tommy gun uh you know it's not a gun but it looks like it and i don't know if people notice but some of those the cards that depict people casting spells particularly the casualty ones a lot of the red spells uh they're they're holding their hand like in the shape of a gun and like as they cast the spell almost as if they're like shooting from their, their finger gun hands uh, I think the mythic, the red mythic arcane bombardment shows it pretty well because it shows someone with two handguns like copied a bunch of times. It's it, it's pretty funny. Not technically a gun. Grizzly Sigil is the, the card I took out of this pack. That's one black for a sorcery. It's casualty one. And you can choose target creature or planeswalker if it was dealt non-combat damage this turn. Grizzly Sigil deals three damage to it and you gain three life. Otherwise, it deals one damage to it and you gain one life. Seemed like a removal spell that I could potentially pair with maybe if I'm able to get back some of those... Uh, whatever the politician is, the one ones that make them discard cards. Seems like it'd be good to uh, to pair with Sacrifice Fodder if I end up going in a little more of a sacrifice uh, theme for the deck. Uh, at its base, it is just a one mana, deal one, game one. But the second case is that this just pops shield counters really easily as long as you have something to sacrifice to it. Uh, other things available in here would have been the Maestro's Theater, possibly what I should have taken in hindsight. Yeah, again, just with like the way this draft has gone, I think you need you needed to be prioritizing fixing a little higher. The Grizzly Sigil's fine, but I don't think it's high enough in a pick order to take over the theater at this point. Yes, the Maestro's Theater may be one color off color, but it still gets you two of the main colors if you end up in Jund, and I think that's worth it here. Pick eight, we got another glittering stockpile. We've got Whack, which is three and a black for a sorcery. Costs three less to target a white creature. Target creature gets minus four, minus four until the term. Attended socialite, another backup agent, fake your own death, jackhammer, and another prize fight. Here I went with the whack. Uh, just seemed like the strongest of these removal spells between that and prize fight. 
Although, you know, both would be solid options. I figured Whack is just a very solid and, and uh, efficient removal spell. Four mana, minus four, minus four, kills anything. Yeah, this is a tough pick to me. Again, thinking about mana considerations, the prize fight's nice because it generates you treasure. And you also have a handful of other ways, like the Exhibition Magician, and, and there are a few other things in there that are generating you treasure, which can be a good way to get out of the problem you have at the moment of not having fixing. It would have been awesome if you could have picked up that one Glittermonger, so you had a, re- a yeah. recurring way to do that, but it's hard to tell what your main color is at this point, and black might be it, but I think it's probably somehow red at this point. I don't know. It's like really weird. So maybe whack is just a better pick than prize fight here. I would have mulled about this pick for quite a bit. This is a tough one. Oh, this is absolutely a mess of a draft. And at this point I had fully realized that, uh, I was just going to commit to the bit and just not get punished by my mana ever. Like at this point we we warned just last episode about the devil's mana base playing six of each land. This is going to be one of those drafts. I, I, I know that already for sure at this point. Next up, pick nine. Wield the Exhibition Magician and the Backup Agent. Also the Masked Bandits, which, uh, you know, again, hindsight, should have been my pick here. But the Exhibition Magician does something very similar in that it makes a treasure. And my thoughts were, I think I want to curve out in this deck. I think I want to go like two drop, three drop, four drop, especially to make best use of the Professional Facebreaker and the, uh, the Tenacious Underdog. I really do want to hit my lands. And at this point, I'm almost even considering being black red, maybe with a very light splash. So I went with the Exhibition Magician here over the Mass Bandits, other stuff in this pack for the family, backup agent. That's really it. This is an extract the truth, the most wanted. But I went with the Magician because it's easy to cast and makes treasure as opposed to the Bandits, which, you know, it, it does come down later in the game and it fixes you. But, you know, like I said, I, I was awfully greedy this draft. Yeah, so my my initial consideration was, I agree, I think the curve out is where you want to be with the deck you're building, but if you notice, your two drops are pretty much all off color at this point. Like, you have very few Jun two drop creatures. In mm. fact, you have one. So I would have taken the Mass Bandits as another two drop option because you can fix yourself for two mana, and uh, the Exhibition Magician doesn't help you stay on curve if you're casting it on three and you missed your two drop. I just love that Sparrow's Adjudicators hanging out down in the... Uh in my likely sideboard as this thing claims. I don't know, just being able to tap that for something might work too. At this point, I'm I'm thinking in my head, uh, possibly four colors. Uh, last few picks here of pack two, there's not much. I took a patch up and then there was some some things. There was a, a rooftop nuisance or a fiend's guidance, extract the truth. We're getting to some of the uh, the dregs here. Although I, I do still suspect that rooftop nuisance is better than the rest of those. Pick 11, broken wings, dapper shield mate, sky crier, protection. I took the broken wings. Uh, pick 12, I got a patch up, a Broker's Initiate, and a Jetmere's Fixer. I set the Fixer. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm short on two drops, and this seems like one that my deck could potentially support. A Rock's Pummeler and a Warm Welcome in the last two uh, uh, for this pack. I took the Pummeler, and then I picked up a Run Out of Town, which seems better than than a last pick card, but, you know. So, going into pack three, I open a Scheming Fence. That's the white-blue 2-3. As it enters the battlefield, you may choose a non-land permanent. Activated abilities of the chosen permanent can't be activated, and it has all activated abilities of the chosen permanent except for loyalty abilities. Not for my deck, but a very cool card. Some good cards for me in this pack include Bouncer's Beatdown. That's the 2 and a green. Deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker where X is the greatest power among creatures you control. Uh, if it would die this turn, X out instead, and it costs 2 less to target a black permanent. You know, I just realized it would have been kind of clever if this had target creature you control deal to target creature your opponent controls, so then it would deal well with, like, your own black creatures, too. But I guess that would have been a little too busted. There's a Night Clubber. Uh, that's the one black, black, two, two. Gives your stuff minus, uh, opponent stuff minus one, minus one. There's, uh, let's see. 
uh, another uh, Girder Goons. There's a Paragon of Modernity, which I'd like to try out sometime. That's the four mana 2-2 two, two, uh, at common. It's an artifact creature that's generic mana. It's flying. You can pay three mana to give it plus one, plus one, its own a turn. And if you pay exactly three colors of mana, you put a counter on it. Seems like it could be a solid finisher in some decks. Another Plasma Jockey, a uh, Shattered Seraph, a Witty Roastmaster, and a Tramway Station. Uh, again, I'm thinking here I need my creature count to get a little higher. I took the Night Clubber above the Tramway Station, but maybe the Station's the higher pick. Yeah, I also had Witty Roastmaster as a consideration here. I don't know if it was in the top contention, but it's a consideration because you have a couple of those Exhibition Magicians, which generate 1-1s for you, which kind of get you the double Alliance trigger. It's mm-hmm. a nice way to pop shield counters. I've just found the Witty Rosemaster to be a really solid card in most of these decks. I think the Night Clubber is probably just better overall, but yeah, I mean, I still think you need more fixing, so I, I might have been on the tramway station, but I, I'm beating a dead horse on that at this point. This is a uh, fixing be damned type of draft here. At this point, I'm thinking I might even wind up in just straight up black red. Uh, but then I immediately dashed that with my next pick, which was uh, Elegant Entourage, which is just a solid creature, three mana, uh, four mana total for a 4-4. Four, four. It's an Elf Druid. It has Alliance. Whenever another creature enters the battlefield under your control, target creature other than Elegant Entourage gets plus one, plus one, and gains Trample until end of turn. There's another Nightclubber in this pack, a Stimulus Package, a Civil Servant, another Exhibition Magician, which I'd look to wheel, Obscura Storefront, Shattered Seraph, and some other random stuff. Another Glittermonger, too as well as the deal gone bad. Here I figured I needed some some solid creatures to to beef up my deck. And this format of 4-4, four, four, I heard really overperformed during pre-release. Yeah, what is your, like, I would be looking at what the creature count is because I think you actually have a solid number of creatures. Uh, maybe not. I guess you could do with a four-drop creature. The stimulus package looks really enticing to me is where I was going. But mm. you have, yeah, you have very, you actually have no four-drop creatures. So I think the, the, the elf there is actually a solid pickup. Yeah. Next, we got an involuntary employment. Now, I wasn't far enough into the sacrifice deck to want a turn against effects, although this does seem like a solid one. It's probably for the best. It's that uncommon in this set. Yeah, it's phenomenal with body dropper. Disgusting. There's a knockout blow. Uh, there's another crooked custodian. Echo inspector, another glitter monger. At this point, I'm going to look to wheel one of these, hopefully. But over these things, I took a light em up. Just, you know, solid removal. Potentially could use the uh, casualty if I have to in a pinch. Uh, it performed pretty well against me during the pre-release. I had someone sacrifice a creature that I locked down to kill two of my X2s, and it felt disgusting. So snag that there is just a good value card. Next pack, we had a Disciplined Duelist. That's the green, white, blue 2-1 double strike with a shield counter on it. This is a Celestial Regulator, a card that I know you like. It's the uh, one white, blue for the 2-3 flying that frost links something of your opponent, or just taps it if you don't have anything with a counter. A Botanical Plaza, although at this point, it's not looking like I'm playing white. Uh, so I took the Glamorous Outlaw, another one of these uh, family fixers that is the Maestro's one, but I'm thinking I'd like to fix for black and red here. Yeah, I think that's a solid pickup. There's really nothing else for you. It's about time I took some actual fixing too, besides just uh, treasure producers. Next, uh, pack three, pick five. Hypnotic Grifter is an uncommon in this pack, as well as Take to the Streets. It's looking like Take to the Streets is not going to be working. I had one from earlier, but probably not going to end up playing it. Attended Socialite is a two-drop should I want it, but here I was actually interested in the Witty Roastmaster. Uh, I was thinking similar to what you mentioned earlier. I have several creatures that make multiple creatures on the end of the battlefield, so I was thinking the Roastmaster might be a solid effect. Yeah, again, it just pings really well, Does the gets rid of shield counters, which can be a nuisance. And um, there are also a lot of X1 flyers in this format, so this Witty Roastmaster deals with flyers quite nicely. And It is um, just for each opponent. But oh, that's nice. correct. That's correct. Yeah. Sorry, I mis- misread. The, the, um, I'm thinking of the 
one four in the maestro's colors that makes imps that die into oh, painting yeah, anything. Yeah. Now, notably, totally cut from black from this direction. So it appears that my my forcing is unfortunately uh, which well, we not working out too well. <laughs> we, we we knew this. I I knew that what I was signing up for. Now, next one out. Uh, next pack pack uh, pick six here. We there's a Quaza Augur of Agonies. Uh, you know, don't need one online, but I'd like to pick up one in paper for a new commander deck. Uh, I picked up. Well, this this pack was a little bit weak. Uh, it, in fact, there's not a single red card in here. And the only black card in here that I was interested in was the Cutthroat Contender. I figured I could use some good early drops. And, you know, if I maybe pick up some tap lands, this one might even come in on turn one or two. Uh, that's the black for a 1-1. One, one. You can pay a life. Cutthroat Contender gets plus 1, plus 0 until end of turn. Activate only once each turn. I am not entirely sure what to think about this card yet. But I think we've learned from the past that when you undervalue one drops, you usually get killed by them. So this is a functionally a one mana two one. And if for a long time this just gets in and trades, like it just pings in for one for a while. And every once in a while you have to pay one to activate it. Then for a while you are just kind of bringing down both you and your opponent by you know one life. And eventually they'll block it with like an X2 or something. And maybe you'll get to pay the life and trade or there's something even better. Maybe you can even use it on blocks. And it seems like a card I want to try out and see how it works. Yeah, so this card is not intended to get into the red zone. This lets you use a one mana card for a casualty two spells because you can just oh, pay the life, bump the power, and then sack it on casualty two. So this is a great card in Maestro's decks. It lets you really get in there uh, and kind of cheat the cheat the system, as it were, with your casualty cards. And it's also why it's Ever. limited to once per turn because if you could pay two life to make this a three power, <laughs> you all your just- casualty three stuff gets really good. Yeah, or uh, you could put it in modern Death Shadow, and it would actually that too. be pretty solid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it'd be like, like a like a one mana uh, nineteen one, and then uh, put player Death Shadows. Uh, that would actually be a pretty sick card <laughs> to print. Just this without the uh, the once per turn clause. Maybe I mean they've been using this once per turn clause a lot recently. Maybe sometime they're gonna print like a mythic in some set that says once per turn clauses don't count, or like you may activate once per turn clauses as many times as you want. Maybe even like a one off effect, like a sorcery that says you may activate once per turn clauses as many times as you want this to this turn. That that I would like to see. Pick seven here. We have a luxurious libation. That's the X and a green for an instant. Target creature gets plus X plus X until end of turn. Create a one one white and green. Citizen creature token. Uh, I had this in my pre-release deck. I don't know if it was just that my creatures were underpowered, but this was fine. It was like exactly what it looked like. I think I used it to save one of my creatures from a removal spell once. I guess the fact that it makes a 1-1 is kind of cool. Other interesting cards in this pack. There's a Demon's Dew that's the card draw spell, but not looking like something in my deck once. There's a Revel Ruiner and there's a Prize Fight. I took the prize fight here just thinking, how do I get myself more treasures? And I do have some slightly larger creatures. I've got this 4-4 four, four now uh, that I could hopefully do something with. And I got the, the Rocks Pummel at the top end that comes with the shield counter on it anyway. So I, I took this over the Revel Ruiner. Yeah, seems seems solid. Next up, I took a, a Tavern Swindler out of, of pick 8, which is actually a reprint. I took it over Backstreet Bruiser, Extract the Truth, Incriminate. Ready to rumble, not a lot going on here. Ready to rumble, just another removal spell, but my deck is pretty set on removal. I figured at this point I just need low drops, and Tavern Swindler, you know, as the flavor text says, only a chump stops after one unlucky loss. And I'm certainly not a chump, so uh, I don't know how often I'll be activating Tavern Swindler. I mean, (laughs) by itself, it doesn't really do anything. Uh, In fact, sometimes it does, it just makes your life worse because you're always paying that three life, you know? Uh, But, you know, uh, expected value... Every once in a while, 
But the expected value is nothing, though, right? <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, although it, it does add some some fun variety to games. And every once in a while, you'll be at four life with the tavern swindler, and your opponent will have like two 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 flyers, and you'll be like, "All right, I kind of need this to work." <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I'm not one to shy away from flipping coins in a game of Magic, but yeah, this is going to basically just be a two mana two two. Yeah. And every once in a while, it'll either kill me or keep me alive. And that'll be a good story to tell. This is pick nine, so the wheel. Uh, I did actually get back the Plasma Jockey, which I'm pretty happy about. Uh, Shattered Seraph as well, but the Plasma Jockey seemed like a solid inclusion here. The three and a red, three one. When it attacks, target creature opponent controls can't block this turn, and it has two and a red to blitz it. So yeah, I just signed the Plasma Jockey here. Getting down into the, the dredges of the pack, I took a most wanted out of a pack with relatively nothing. Another cutthroat contender, a boon of safety, a warm welcome. Someone's getting hooked up with another late shattered seraph, but uh, took most wanted, not expecting to play it. Got a glittermonger with four cards left in the pack that'll certainly be making the cut. Took it above Broker's Initiate, Majestic a Metamorphosis, and Psionic Snoop. Three white cards here in pick 12. Revelation of Power, Rafine's Informant, and Boon of Safety. I took the Boon. Took a Psionic Snoop with two cards left in the pack, and a Witness Protection was my very last card. So, I did craft a deck out of this already. A bit of a mess of a draft, I'll be honest, and uh, I wasn't prioritizing fixing as much as I should be. Look, I had a bit of the uh, the kid in the candy store vibes in this first draft through, because you know, there was just so much cool stuff, and I, I just... I couldn't bear it not to play the Angel of Suffering. I I, I felt like I kind of owed it. Uh, I do have a thing for Nightmare Angels, uh, if I think way back to my Shadows over Innistrad uh, run. But my final deck list ended up being uh, a Cutthroat Contender, Grizzly Sigil, Strangle, and the One Drops. Tavern Swindler, Tenacious Underdog, Cut of the Prophets, Fatal Grudge, Light Him Up, Prize Fight, Prize Fight in the two-drop slot. It's not a ton of true drops, but it feels like you have some time in this format. Uh, three drop creatures I have plenty of. Two Exhibition Magicians, a Nightclubber, a Face Breaker, Pirate Sledge Arsonist, Witty Rosemaster, and Riveteer's Charm. Four drop slot, I got Elegant Entourage, Plasma Jockey, Whack. Five drops, I've got the Angel of Suffering. Six drops, I'm playing the Rocks Pummeler and a Glamorous Outlaw for fixing. And a nice clean mana base of uh, six swamps, seven mountains, and four forests. So yeah, you decided, we're doing it. You decided against playing the Glimmermonger at the end. The Glimmermonger. Oh, I, I must have forgotten to put that in. Yeah, I got I to gotta jam that in there. Probably replace... Hmm, what do you think? What's my cut? Probably the Grizzly Sigil, to be honest with you. It just doesn't really do a whole lot. You don't think so? I guess my deck doesn't have I mean, a lot of ways of... Well, I have the Exhibition Magicians, right? In which case it ends up just being a... I mean, one mana sack a creature deal four, gain four. That's pretty big, right? Well, it's, it's going to be one mana deal two, gain two, right? So uh, the first copy will resolve, and it'll it'll deal. Oh, and then it'll one deal damage combat. I one. see. Yeah, and then the second copy resolves, and then it deals three. So like this is yeah. one mana kill, one mana sacrifice a creature, That's sacrifice true. any creature really, uh, deal four, gain four. That seems strong in a deck with this many. Well, I have a handful of token generators. Yeah, right? I missed how well it works with itself when you casualty off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty decent. I like that. The rest of your cards aren't clear to me on what would get cut. Maybe the Pyre Sledge Arsonist? Yeah, I guess I don't have a lot of treasure generation, right? And it's not like I'm a heavy uh, uh, heavy into Blitz deck either. I just have the Plasma Jockey uh, and the Night Clubber. Yeah, I guess with the Face Breaker, I could generate some treasures and the, and the Magicians. But I guess you I'm need not- to ask, like, what is the vector of the deck? Like, what are you actually doing? Because the, the Glittermonger is not an aggressive card. So if you're trying to be aggressive and kill them quick, like, the Glittermonger is probably not going to do it for you. 
you don't have any real fixing outside of making treasures. So yeah. it does help in that way. And you don't have a ton of four drops. So maybe swapping a three for a four helps the curve as well. I think I would play the Glittermonger, but I would maybe want to look at your vector a little bit more detailed and see if it fits. So this is what I'm seeing. I see this as a black red aggressive deck. Admittedly, it gets off to a slower start. Uh, my two drops are lacking, uh, but the three drops are pretty solid to make up for it. I see this as a black red mid range deck where, you know, I'm able to generate some treasures from the exhibition magicians and, uh, the face breaker. I think maybe the arsonist would be the cut, but uh, I do have some of that treasure generation. I'm using solid removal spells uh, in black and red. And then in the mid to late game, once I've established like a slightly beefier board and I have some treasures, I slam something like the elegant entourage. I use the prize fights. I'm able to curve out into rocks pummeler in the late game. And I see this as mostly a black red deck with a bit of a green top end. So weirdly enough, I hate it does bother my soul to play a green deck where green isn't the primary color and I'm not using green as the base to splash. But, you know, I think this was a bit of a rough draft entirely because of my, myself and because I decided to force some nonsense. Uh, but I think this is the optimal build because it's going to start out kind of aggressive with the, the red and black stuff and then get into the uh, the green later on. Like, I don't need prize fight on turn two. Elegant Entourage is still good on turn six. Uh, the pummeler is, is good whenever like those. I have plenty of time to cast, you know, that's true. One nice thing too, with these uh, family fixers is they fix themselves. So you never have to splash for them. Um, mm, if you yeah. draw, it might delay getting it out a turn and it tells your opponent you have it, but like you just, you just use the exile effect and then you can use itself to cast itself, which is great. Really, really yeah. nice little, little one, two punch with those. Mm. So I could have the glamorous outlaw, like tap for blue and then use it to cast it. And then I'll never exactly. need it for blue again. Exactly. Kind of convenient. I guess that makes them pretty much free cards as long as you have exactly two of the colors like as your normal mana base anyway. Right. Wow, what a what a set. There's so, I, one thing I can say from pre-release, uh, even in my many losses, uh, there's a lot of decisions. Like there's there's tons of interesting and important decisions that you make. We mentioned sequencing and when you, you like hit certain land drops, when you make certain treasures, when you cash them in. This is just yet another one. Like sometimes you don't even want to exile the thing. Sometimes you just want to keep it in your hand and, and try to play it uh, on curve and curve out with a two drop or do something else on turn two. Or maybe you want to do this on turn four and then cast this on turn six. Yeah, there's there's a whole lot of decision making both in the draft and out of the draft. And for me, that makes this format a lot more enjoyable. I'm, I know a lot of folks are, are not as high on it as I am of a format, but the format's not even out yet. So give it a chance. And uh, let us know what you think. I think you ended up with a deck that I would say salvaged this draft. I, I was really worried for you going into the pack three there, but you managed to pull it together as you are want to do from time to time. And uh, I, I'm excited to see how this does when the servers are up and you can actually play it. So, oh uh, yeah, who knows when that'll be. Um, I, I'm also going to jam a bunch of best of three this set, I think, in an attempt to maybe get some of those sweet play in tokens, whatever they're called. Uh, and also, there's just a lot of cool cards. I mean, there's some sideboard options, too. There's, like, Broken Wings and things like that. Maybe that is a nod to the number of flyers in the set. Yeah, it could be. Well, I think that does it for us this week. That's that's our quote-unquote live draft. Again, if you're not already in the Discord, check it out. It's the beginning of a new set. We're going to have tons of decks flying around in there and seeing what works, what doesn't, and having lots of great dis discussions. So check that out if you haven't already joined. And if you want to support the show directly, you can do so on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash draftchaffpod. Again, huge thanks to all of our patrons who continue to support us each and every week. And if you are a patron, keep an eye out for our announcement on the May office hour. 
If you want to reach out to us outside of the Discord, you can find the podcast at DraftChaffPod on Twitter, and you can find Ben at Betafish1. That does it for us, and we'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the new format. See ya. So, fun fact, this weekend is Rutgers Day, which is something I'm, I'm pretty excited for. As some people may know, I went to Rutgers University in New Jersey. And uh, this college is so far up its own. Well, let's just say that it has a whole day named after itself, which is a great time. Uh, Basically, every every club is out there doing something. Uh, There's a folk festival with live music. Um, They they sell all sorts of food and vendors. And the best part is that everyone in like the local area brings their dog for some reason. I I don't know why, but it just becomes like this big dog playground, too, with with live music and, and good outdoor stuff. So uh, if anyone's in the area and you happen to walk by Rutgers Day, expect to see me out there.